Welcome to the Athens Frontline, a podcast presented by the Red and Black that covers topics in health and wellness. I'm your host, Simran Kaur Malhotra, here to discuss Parkinson's disease and UGA's recently received support for research with Dr. Anumantha Kantaswamy. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash Cox Institute. Dr. Anumanta Kantasami is an internationally renowned researcher of Parkinson's disease and related neurodegenerative disorders. He's leading the establishment of the university's new center as well as a faculty cluster hire to recruit more researchers with expertise in neuroscience, epigenetics, pharmacology, neurotoxology, and bioinformatics. Kantasami joined UGA in fall 2021 as the first Johnny H. Isaacson Chair and Georgia Research Alliance eminent scholar in Parkinson's disease. Hello, Dr. Kantasami. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Simra. Yep. Well, I am, uh, first of all, congratulations on the recent support that you've, uh, you know, achieved and you've got. Hopefully it takes your research further. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your research, particularly here at the University of Georgia? Yes, I am um, work on area of Parkinson's disease, obviously. So I've just um, moved to UGA um, about in October, so only in the last few months. And my research focuses on understanding the disease, the Parkinson's disease, and try to develop some new diagnostic tests and uh, treatment strategies. That's what we focus on. I've been working this area over almost 30 years. Wow. So uh, what got you to come to UGA specifically? So UGA, I think, you know, one of the emphasis now with the, the Johnny Isaacson chair, as you know, the late Senator Isaacson, as um, a beloved statesman of the, the great state of Georgia made many notable contribution to the state and in honor of his um, you know, contributions, the friends and family, the state and um, the Georgia Research Alliance all established the Johnny Isaacson Center, the initiative, the endowed chair, and to build a new initiative. So that's, uh, uh, I thought it was attractive for me. Then I thought, you know, it was um, obviously there's a lot of interdisciplinary work that's good. Um, so it's going on at the university. I thought this would be a great opportunity for me to move to um, UGA after 22 years um, of my career I spent at Iowa State. Well, we're glad to have you here. Uh, yeah. The more researchers, the merrier, especially being a public university. So uh, a lot of students uh, and just people overall, especially living in Athens, when they think about Parkinson's disease, the first thought that comes into their head is probably Muhammad Ali. But for those who uh, don't know much about Parkinson's disease, can you kind of break down what this disease does to a human body and why it's so important to research it? Yes, um, you're right. I think it's, you know, Muhammad Ali is one of the, you know, well-known public um, a figure that you know puts the face on the disease, and there is other people, Michael J. Fox, is another one, as you know. Um, I think the disease was discovered um, 1817, so it goes back to almost more than two centuries um, by a British uh, um, uh, physician, James Parkinson's. So, I think that the, initially he described the symptoms, uh, the later on over the years, people have understand the, uh, the pathology in terms of 
what is what are the brain regions affected uh, affected by the disease and then the symptoms were well described and there are some uh, treatment in terms of controlling the symptoms those are the progress was made in terms of the the symptoms that normally that occurs are well known symptoms are the it affects the motor function that means affects the movements so tremor rigidity postural instability these are all the major symptoms that occurs um, the resting tremor normally when the people don't do any work just sitting there just kind of normally comes with the fingers then one side of the body then it progresses to the other disease the other side um, over time so that's a it's a complex disease so uh, you know you need to go to the neurologist to understand you know get a proper diagnosis you need some imaging tools uh, so that's where um, you diagnose the disease unfortunately we are only the current uh, so, uh, you know the state of the art or the uh, clinical practices um, we uh, diagnose the disease after develop symptom by the time it's too late so yeah that's really interesting and with uga receiving the 5 million dollars in support recently what are your plans as chair as to how you want to utilize that money for the research and and what are kind of your goals of that research so one of the long term goals for our um, uga uh, part of my recruitment and this johnny accession chair is to build a center um, on uh, neurological disease so we call it a center for our Uh, brain sciences and neurodegenerative diseases it's uh, it's called cbsnd so that's the center that we want to build and um, recruit uh, additional faculty so we're planning to recruit four additional faculty there are two senior level and two junior level faculty to set up a interdisciplinary research that uh, primarily focuses on early diagnosis and better treatment so that's where um, we're going to suspend Uh, this funding and part of them is you know you have yes you know that uh, you have to recruit people you need to have a you know infrastructure in place particularly instruments um, some of the work that we are going to do require some cutting edge instruments that's currently is not in place so we wanted to you know um, have those instruments in place so that uh, and the people we can attract quality people to the work and there also comes my own research and other people in the university there are a few other people also doing some parkinson related work so we all can work to use this type of uh, core facilities to advance uh, research at in a you know direction that uh, completely new and uh, bring some innovation to the university well it seems like if there is a person to do that it is you as chair oh, thank you, thank you. Um, so I know that recently there have been a lot of talks and we talk about it all the time on the podcast episodes about health disparities amongst different diseases as well. In terms of Parkinson's disease, is there a demographic uh I guess disparity in terms of prevention or treatment whereas something like heart disease it's harder to get access to healthcare if you're particularly from a black community in comparison to white counterparts? Right. So the health disparity I think this uh you know it's the effect the disease can affect anybody right this is that doesn't discriminate so that's a certainly that's a sad part of the story so you know there's a so there's a, a, a sex difference certainly that um, males get affected more than females that's one um, uh, disparity if you may call that as a disparity and then um, in terms of minorities and people you know don't access to healthcare 
suddenly there I put them at disadvantage. Then, you know, they do when sometimes you see that tremor and um, rigidity and things, people don't pay attention. They have that, you know, the life is uh, sometimes, you know, they have to have their daily life. And uh, if you don't have access to the physician, they don't even go to the physician. So that puts them in a very disadvantaged position. So, and people working, uh, you know, chemically, you know, the farmers and far farming and various other, uh, you know, um, areas where you have a lot of chemical exposure, particularly pesticides and metal exposures. And, you know, those type of also contribute to the disease. There are some um, pretty, therefore, considerable risk factors. So that means you need to avoid them, make sure that you have a good protection in place when you use this type of chemicals. So there is a lot of things comes up. The environment can suddenly influence disparities on other uh, issues that always associated with the environmental uh, you know, component. Um, suddenly there is a case for that to make. And, um, and suddenly that you heard that stories, people in, you know, exposed to lead, right? The lead is another risk factor, those type of thing. People live in poor communities. They don't have a good water systems and um, some other chemical they're exposed to can contribute to the disease. Yeah. Right. Um, and something really stood out to me in the piece that I was reading about you, and, and you had stated that, you know, researchers have been diagnosing Parkinson's for more than 200 years now. And in terms of the mutations and genes that you found, there's only make up about 10% of the cases and about 90% are still to be researched and found. How is it being a researcher for something that's so early in its stages, even after 200 years of diagnoses? Yeah, so the the genes been discovered from 1999. There's various labs and we, uh, we primarily understand people discover the genes. We understand the biology of them. So our lab is interested in looking at sort of, sort of, sort of genes so one of the genes that we that's been discovered in 1999 is the alpha-synuclein gene. That's a gene that produces a um, um, protein that, unfortunately, in aging or uh, during chemical exposures or various genetic mutations, that protein misfolds. They can aggregates. It forms aggregates. That aggregates can um, trigger some events like inducing inflammation, like body thinks as a uh, it's an infection. So that means that, you know, um, there is an inflammation go, goes on in the bodies. Suddenly, certain brain regions get affected uh, specifically by this type of insult um, that contributes to disease. So in terms of the diagnosis that what we've shown over the years, in the last few years, so that, were, um, that protein also present in the sensory nerves, so we can access the skin samples Skin, skins can tell out of sensory nerves. So we can take skin biopsies, then we can amplify that protein to show that, um, you know, that present in the Parkinson's patients and uh, Parkinsonism patients, and that uh, uh, even you can diagnose much earlier than they develop symptoms. So that's uh, some, you know, um, very useful tools. We're in the process of further uh, standardizing the technique and um, the uh, this particular test probably available in the next few years to be put uh, in clinics. I hope so. You know that that's that's the great wish. Now you founded not one but two startup companies. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How you ended up starting them and how are they going now? Yes. Yeah, so the uh, one as a scientist, when you work in an area that type of you know um, have a 
discoveries can make a huge impact on people's life, right? Public. So that's what it's all, um, you know, we wanted to make sure the discoveries that goes to uh, finally helps the, the public, uh, the health domain. So that means uh, the universities, uh, we make a discoveries, new discoveries that gets, get, you know, we submit a patent application through the university. So that sometimes the patent application, we need to further develop the technology to be able to available to translate into clinics, what we call as a, you know, bench to bedside. Uh, that gap is huge, a lot of sometimes a huge bottleneck, if you may, in the health science field, particularly this type of neuroscience type of technology, it doesn't translate immediately into a treatment uh, paradigm. So that means, you know, you need to have some startup companies that can further develop the technology so that technology be available or attractive for a big pharma to be able to, oh, this is a good technology, we will take into clinical trials. So in that respect, we started a couple of companies, one looking at you know, small molecules, like some new chemical entities, based on the discoveries that we can target those as a potentially developed new drug. The another one is uh, called Probiome Therapeutics, so relatively new company started last year, uh, trying to harness our gut microbiome. Like we have a gut has a lot of billions of bacteria how that bacteria could be used to, we can genetically engineer them to make some specific, produce some drugs. So you're trying to use kind of outside the box thinking this type of technology to make our, our body to make our own drug, the own drug to, um, so it's a, it's a long shot, but I think we are making good progress. I think that the next few years, I think this type of work could lead into some amazing uh, treatments. Um, so that's where we are, the two companies help us to translate whatever you're doing, the basic science work, translate technology that can ultimately serve the public. So we need to have that in, in between as a bridge. Uh, these two companies can uh, serve that role. That's awesome. Now, in terms of these companies and, and serving their roles, how many would you say are doing the work of Parkinson's? In each institution, uh, the established investigators, the professors and the researchers, they do develop some companies. It, uh, the success rate is low, right? And you have you know, faculty members, they spend most of their time in research, in you know, basic science research. Uh, but I think that there are some technologies, good examples they can, uh, you know, there is a, a translating technology into potential treatments. That's, uh, I think that we need to pursue that. I think that's the expectation from the universities and the state. And part of my, uh, you know, the endowed chair is the Georgia Research Alliance. Um, they, part of the recruitment is how you can use the university technology into some uh, treatments, uh, options, and that would serve the public. I think you make an effort and then you see how that goes. I think we have a really good shot and very optimistic. Um, we feel that we can make some um, really inroad into some new discoveries. Thank you. And my last question is, for those of us who aren't re- researching Parkinson's like you are, how can we help and support your research? Yes, I think the one is the, you know, spread the um, you know, university uh, work, some of the new discoveries in Parkinson's, other health-related 
areas that what the students, community, ASAP delivering to the public. That's one, make awareness so that people support the university and the research and, um, and also the uh, funding to, um, you know, support to the research through the NIH or the Michael J. Fox or even university foundations and those type of things that would help and recruit some, you know, faculty. Suddenly we are um, um, interested in recruiting PhD students, right? We, part of the university is to increase the number of graduate students and postdoctoral fellows. So if there is funding available, we can recruit and train more scientists in this field. So this requires a lot more uh, proof effort. I think that's, I think, sending the message and you know, let the public know. So whatever the transfers from that helps into the universities to advance the science. We sure, to make sure that all of our listeners, uh, you know, hear that and, and can support your hard work and your faculty's hard work. Well, Dr. Gantasami, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Amran. Good luck. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Athens Frontline podcast presented by The Red and Black. I'm your host, Simran Kaur Malhotra. Make sure you tune back in next week for our next episode. Until then, check us out on social media at Red and Black. Have a healthy and safe rest of your week.